Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. This morning's reading comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone for do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Rodney. Uh, We're so glad you're with us today at Garfield Memorial Church. Um, We're looking at measures weighed in the balance, right? That's a scripture out of Daniel 5.27. We're weighed in the balance, and uh, in that scripture it says we're found wanting. How many of you like to get on scales? Oh, one person likes to get on a scale. No, I'm kidding. Nobody raised their hand. I, I made that up. So if, if you're online and you raised your hand, you're alone. Like none of us do. But we do for what reason? Just kind of check in. Like, how are we doing? Right? Oh, stop it. I mean, I, 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 got, I got chattered down here in the front right. Um, we do it because we have to measure how are we doing, right? The, the big thing about this series is not about do you measure up? Because Paul, who was the apostle, who was a former Pharisee, who was a religious bigot and a zealot, he thought like, let me measure up by how am I doing on all this stuff? How am I doing on the law? And he found out he didn't measure up. In fact, in fact, he says, if you read his letters, the law crushed me. I was trying to be a good follower of God. I was trying to follow every, you know, I and T and jot and tittle uh, of the law. And it crushed me. 
But I found out that the grace of Jesus Christ interceded for me and showed me that the only person that ever fulfilled the law was Christ. And he did it and did it for us and said, look, I'll do this for you and now I'll do the heavy lifting and now you have been accepted. You don't have to do this. You just have to, you know, aspire to be the people that God calls you to be. And, and I have, I have, I've, I've, I've moved that stone away. And that's what Paul found out. And it, and it changed his life. It changed him. And then he said in Ephesians, if you read it, I hope you will know the immeasurable love of God. The height, the depth, the, the breadth. Meaning that I hope you will know what can't be on the scale. Right? What can't be. You get up there and wait. That how much you are loved by God. And so our vision team, as we went through our whole uh, process, uh, and I know if you're worshiping with us online, you may not know this, but we had a whole 2020 vision team where we, we were wrestling with what's the next three and five and ten years for this church. And they, they discovered, like, we're widening the circle. That's our mission. By connecting diverse people who share a common brokenness. You hear that? Yeah. With Jesus. Like, that's what we are. That's who we are. We're, we're connecting diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. And we do that through our values. We do it through a, definitely a strategy. But we do it measuring ourselves. And one of the ways we measure ourselves, get on the scale, which we hate to do. I hate to do it. Right? But we get on the scale and one of our first measures is how are we loving our neighbors the way God loves them? Like, I think it would be okay if we said how are we loving our neighbors and we got off the scale. <laughs> you ever think about that? Like, how are we loving our neighbors? Oh yeah, I love them. I, I send food to them when they're, somebody's going through a funeral or whatever. No. How are we loving our neighbors stay on the scale the way God loves them. When Pastor Scott preached on Monday, Thursday, the reason there is a Monday, Thursday, it was a mandate. That's what, that's what we call Monday, Thursday. When Jesus created communion. And when we have communion together today, I want you to think about that. It wasn't like, oh, drink, eat the bread, drink the cup. It was a mandate. The mandate was a commandment. Jesus was like, look, Moses gave you ten, you flunked them. I'll give you one. Love others the way I love you. And when you drink it, you know, break that bread, drink this cup, that's, that's the mandate. Last week, if you were here, Romans 13 Paul preaches in Romans this amazing sermon. But at the end of it, he goes, you know what? If you love your neighbor, you've, you've fulfilled the law. Now, this is Paul. This is the guy that was trying to save himself by the law. Like, I'm going to do this. 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 Then God will love me. And Jesus met him on the road and said, Paul, 
you're a zealot, you're messed up, you're not doing anything the way I want you to do it. And he's, at the end of his life, he said, you know what, if I love my neighbor, if I love others, I'm getting it right. And that's, that's what we talked about last week, like, you know, love our neighbors, and we're fulfilling the law. So today, I'm going to tell you how to do it. Well, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. That is so sanctimonious. That is so terrible. Sorry. I went into preacher mode. Like, I went into Paul Pharisee mode. I'm going to suggest some things Paul learned in Romans 12, which you heard read for you. Like, if we begin to flirt with these kind of ideals, Paul said, you're on your way. You're on your way. And we, our vision team decided that to widen the circle meant to connect diverse people who share a common brokenness with Jesus. And, and you know, that just slayed us. If you were with us in our vision meetings, it just hit us right in the core, right? And the more I thought about it, I was like, this is what Paul was doing. If you were with us last week, we talked about in the book of Romans, he was connecting Jew and Gentile. That was the centerpiece of the Roman church. Now, for us, Jew and Gentiles, like there's no slave or free, there's no Jew or Gentile. But, I mean, it, is, it was so dramatic. Whoever the, the distinctions are in America right now, you know, far conservative with the red hats, far liberal with the, you know, black t-shirts, whatever that is, multiply it times 10, maybe times a thousand. And you get in the error code of what Jew and Gentile were. And Paul is writing in the Roman church about coming together, connecting what? Diverse people who share a common brokenness. Some people say to me, I don't understand this common brokenness. Read Romans 1 and 2. Paul begins by speaking to the Jews. He says, he says everything that's messed up with the other side. Right? So he's talking about the Republicans. And he says, Romans 1. These people, they worship you know, birds of the air. They were, they're so idolatrous. These married men who are married to their wives and their children, they go into the gymnasiums and they sleep with other men. They have, you know, sex basically with other men. They, they have these uh, young teenage male prostitutes. This is their little sport. And then they go home to their wives and kids. Isn't that horrible? And all the Democrats are going, yeah, that's horrible. And then they say, but what about you? you? Chapter 2, read it. He goes, how about you? Who say you're so righteous and you're so full of social justice and you're so against racism and you're so against sexism and you are irritable and you are bitter and you are judging other people. And Paul drops the other foot upon them and says, read it. Read Romans 1 and 2. When you go home today, you're saying, Pastor Chip was making that up. I want you to go home and read Romans 1 and 2. And you'll find out, Paul says, none is righteous. No, not one. Who is to condemn? 
none save Christ Jesus. He is connecting diverse people by showing their, their common brokenness. You know, their brokenness. And says, we need Jesus. How many of you know you need a Savior? No, not a doctor, not a psychologist. I need all those things. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing all of them. And you don't just need a teacher. And you don't just need, you know, a counselor. And you just don't need a pastor. I need somebody to rescue me. I need somebody to bring me back. The word sozo, which is the word in this Greek for save, means to be brought back from the edge of a cliff. I need somebody to save me from myself. Hello? Online? You with me? Right? And that's what Paul is saying. We have a common brokenness. He was talking to religious people who thought, well, I don't steal and I don't, you know, I don't smoke or chew or, you know, go with girls who do, you know, all the stuff we were raised to. And he said, you are messed up. You need to understand we have a common brokenness. I have people say to me, I don't understand this common brokenness. Read the Bible. Look in the mirror. Get on the scale. We have a common brokenness. And we need Jesus. And that's why last week we started to look at when Paul said, love your neighbor. I didn't know how many uh, Fred Rogers closet worshipers there were in his church. Until I brought him up last week. I have gotten so many emails and Facebook. Some of y'all really were Mr. Rogers followers. But I said, here's a guy who was a neighbor. Right? Love your neighbor. I always wanted to be in the neighborhood with you. I always want... He meant it too. We believed him, didn't we? And that's how Jesus said we're to be. And that's how Jesus was. God so loved the world. This is something I don't want Christians to miss. We're the only religion in the world that said God so desired to be in a neighborhood that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and came into our neighborhood and came to be with us. And he taught us then, this is how you are to love one another. And so last week was the bottom line, like the principle, like this is general. Love your neighbor and you'll fulfill everything. So today, two things. I got 17 minutes. Two things of how you do it. Be patient. Everybody say that. Be patient. Online, I didn't hear you. Be patient. I hate that word. God, I hate that. That's why, you know, when you go to a doctor, you're what? You're a patient. Because of what? Because you need some help. Right? I can't do this thing. I can't fix this thing. I need to be a... Three people said that here. It was so good. I wish you could have heard it. Right? And, and the other thing is, be forgiving. How many know forgiveness is the real F word? <laughs> I preached a whole series on that. I did. I preached a series. I said the real F word. And I, I got to tell you, like 50% of heritage like didn't show up. Like, no, no, I can't. I can't handle. But it's true. Be patient. Be forgiving. That's what Paul says. Did you hear what Terry read? 
those Romans 12. Read Romans 12, 9 through 21 today. Read it and say, am I doing that? It will crush you. And that's what Paul said. I tried to follow this law. It crushed me. But there's two themes in it. Be patient. Be forgiving. Right? And be patient in a way that um, I'm living this out, not begrudgingly. I'm living this out because this is how God has been in my life. Now, Paul says to be patient, right? He, he talks about later, if you read his letters, what it means to be impatient. Do you know what it means to be impatient? He says it means to grumble. Man, I wish, I wish you could see the body language in here <laughs> online. Oh, when I said that grumble, people went. <laughs> How many of you grumble? Be honest, grumble. Have you been on 480? Like during rush hour? Like grumbling. And Paul said, if you're impatient, you can develop a grumbling heart. You can develop a grumbling heart. One of my favorite books that I've ever read was uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, was called The Great Divorce. And in that book, he talks about uh, grumbling. And in, in the book, it's like, like heaven and hell. C.S. Lewis says, people go to hell, people go to heaven. But there's a bus that leaves hell every day that you can go to heaven. But the people that get on the bus to go to heaven, they hate it. So they go back to hell. And his image is, hell is always our choice. Hell, our choice. Hello. Yeah. How many of you know that? It's our choice. And he's saying that. And what happens is, most of the people that go to heaven, they're in hell, they have complaints. <laughs> I've been killing you guys. <laughs> it's killing me too. Like, they have complaints. They, like, put the... Back in the day, we used to have, like, the little box where you put your complaints in. Now it's called email or Twitter. <laughs> right? Like, I just got a complaint. I got a vent. Right? And we throw it out there. But C.S. Lewis said back in that day and age, you just, you just, I, I don't know good, I, I said love the hell out of people last week. And I had a lot of comments about that. So I don't want to say the B word. But you just complain. You and me are here, sister. You and me are like here. Like here. She's like, ah. We do. We have to. Right? And the people went to heaven who were in hell. And they complained. Right? Complained. And, and, and if you read C.S. Lewis, uh, The Great Divorce, it was kind of like Revelation. Where John is in Revelation. He has an angel kind of guiding him around. It's the same thing in the great divorce. Here's this guy who goes, gets this vision of heaven and hell, and there's like an angel guiding him around. And he begins to discuss something. And, and he found out there's a woman who was in hell, and she was complaining all the time. And, and the guy was like to the, to, the, to the angel, he basically said, look, that unhappy creature, I'm reading from this, that unhappy creature doesn't seem to be the sort of a soul that ought to be in hell. She's not wicked. She's just an old soul that got in the habit of grumbling. Right? Come on, somebody. 
You don't have to be an old soul. You can be my age. Just get in the habit of grumbling. Those Democrats, those Republicans, those people, right? You get in the habit of grumbling. And here's what the guide said, the angel. He said, the problem is whether she is a grumbler or she's just become the grumble. What does that mean, right? And he says it begins with a grumbling mood. With you yourself, very distinct from it, this is C.S. Lewis, perhaps even criticizing it. You ever been there like, I, I wish I wasn't so negative. Like you've been there, right? Like, I wish I wouldn't always be so degrading. But he said, you can still repent. You can come out of it again. But there may come a day when you can do that no longer. Because there's no you left to criticize the mood just the grumble going on forever and ever and ever. And that's what Paul is saying. We may not be the grumbler anymore. We may just be the grumble. Like, please, if the grumble is occurring, if it's hitting the service, the surface, not the service. I, I know you're grumbling about the service today. <laughs> I, I wish Pastor Chip would just sit down and let the band back up. But the surface, if, it up, if, if the grumble gets up there and you don't have the ability to say, I'm so mad at myself for being this way. I, I, you know, I shouldn't be this way about black people or white people or Democratic people or Republican people or Asian people. Like, if you don't have the ability to say that anymore, you're not the grumbler. You're the grumble. And it's overtaken you. And we need to speak against that. And that's why Paul said, love is patient. I hate that. I just hate it. Right? But love is patient. What does that mean? Like love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Right? What does that mean? It means that we do not allow the grumble to overcome us so we're not just a grumbler. We're the grumble. You say, well, Chip, what does that mean? Grumbling is hellfire. It's hellfire. You say, what's that mean? Okay, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm watching the Indians. I, I would say the Browns. I don't know. Who, who's on TV today? Uh, some of you, what do you watch? Uh, I can't think of a great show. But you're sitting on your, none of you will admit. I don't know, online? All of you said, oh yes, this is, in, in this house, nobody will admit what they watch. <laughs> Huh? Okay, it went, and there was a little grumble came out, and it's gone. But really, what do we want? And all of a sudden, your couch is on fire. Right? There's a little fire at the end of your couch. You go, oh, that's no big deal. I want to finish my show. But all of a sudden, that can consume, right? The whole house. And that's how it is with the grumble. It just starts up a little hellfire. It's over here. That's why Paul said or in, in um, Hebrews, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness grows up to catch, catch flame. 
and it, and it defiles everything, right? Like, it's okay to grumble. We get it. I've been on 480 with you. I get it. Or 90. I get it. I get it. But I don't let that consume you. Where suddenly you're no longer the grumbler. You are just the grumble. And Paul said love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not demand its... I, I got holy people down here in the front row. They actually know the, the scripture. And, and Paul was saying this isn't about marriages. We read that at weddings, right? But that's not what it's about. It's about this. It's about Jew and Gentile. It's about slave and free. It's about male and female. It's about Republican and Democrat. It's about, uh, you know, conservative and liberal. This is what it's about. Paul had nothing writing those words about marriages. Now, it's a fine to read that. And I'm going to tell you, it's the only thing that saved my marriage because my wife has all those things. And I'm like, none of those things. But let me tell you something. Paul said this is about how we live in this universe as followers of Christ. That's what he was writing. I mean, we go like, love is patient, love is kind. Like it's in a, you know, a, a matrimony. Paul had nothing writing about that, about weddings. Nothing. Now, is it wrong to apply that? No. But he's writing about that to how we live. To how we work together, how we live together, to how we operate together. And love is patient. I hate that. I, I literally do. It does not insist on its own way. Right? I, I don't know about you. How many of you are uh, excel in patience? <laughs> Nobody in this room. Online? Patience? Both hands up. Right? It's, it's a struggle. Because you know what patience means? It means, God, you're the doctor. I'm the patient. You know what I need better than I do. You know, I have had so many times of impatience. I had one with my own child. I won't tell you which one. But this child had worked so hard all their life to achieve a goal. And I was physically there when that goal crashed down. One day. Everything they worked for just didn't happen. And they went up to their room, and they were crying. And I went out, and I, shh, fist of God, I left the corporate arena to follow you. And this is a good kid, and you just let them down. I, I just, I cussed God out. Can I say that? Okay. And Nothing. Like, I didn't hear, like, a burning bush, like, oh, Chip, because you're a pastor. Oh, no, nothing, all right? I just, I just vented. And for two years, I watched that child go through hell. Literally. Like, devastated. Do you know what happened in the third year? In the third year, that child experienced God in such a personal way. That they are so in love with God. And I went, oh. <laughs> right? Love is patient. Love hangs in there. Love goes the distance. That's our call. And then love is forgiving. I know you hate that. I do too. 
But what does God say? Here's how you do this thing. Um, and guys, I don't know, in the tech team, they're back there like, where's Chip going? But I, I, I want to throw up that um, principle. God, Paul gives a principle. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the principle. In other words, you know, if we don't forgive, if we don't be in this work, we are overcome. You know what this word overcome is? I'm sorry. It's the ex-athlete in me, which was way eons ago. Overcome was a military term. It means you win or you lose, right? So I know in Cleveland, it's like, LeBron, come back. Like we win or we lose. Like the draft. Was it so cool in the NFL draft? Like, we didn't care? Like, I've never been that in Cleveland. Like, I don't care. (laughs) You know, we're so cool. We're good, right? But overcome is, how do you, how do you win or lose? It's, you have to overcome it with good. You don't overcome it with evil. And here's the deal. If you don't forgive, if you you know, harbor grudges. If you're irritable or resentful, all those things Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said evil has flanked you. It has overcome your front lines. It has won. But I want you to win. So I want you to overcome evil with good. I want you to be in this ministry of overcoming evil with good. How do we do that? A couple quick things. I'll give you uh, like five and I'll sit down. First, pray. So it says, pray. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless, when Jesus said, when you stand praying, pray God's blessing. That bless is a prayer. It's, it's praying for good. How many of you know that many of us practice Christian voodoo? We do. Like when somebody hurts us, we're not going to retaliate, but we're going to keep that little voodoo doll and we're going to put pins in it. And when they found out they're not doing good, man, we are going to rejoice. Come on, somebody. You are all liars. Online, online, be honest. I'm in your living room right now. You can be honest. How many times you go, right? This is what we do. It, like we don't, we're not going to commit retaliation. We're just going to put little needles in and hope somebody else does and hope life does. Jesus said, let that go. Pray. Pray. That's first, foundational. The second thing is not just pray, but forgive. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Like I'm just going to let it go. The word forgive in the, in the Greek meant to hurl away. You know how that was used? It was like um, slaves who had chains on them, they hurled them away. Like, I'm going to hurl this away. It's not like, how many of you have heard, I can forgive and not forget? One person, two and a half. Two and a half people here, and a third, have have said that, right? Like, like, come on, Randy, five. I forgive and forget, I won't forget. Guess what? Most of the time when you say I'll forgive and I won't forget, you haven't forgiven. And I hate that because, believe me, if trauma's been done to you and it's been done to me, we don't forget that. We don't. I understand that. But most of the time it kind of means 
I'll forgive, but I won't forget, meaning like I, I bury the hatchet, but I know exactly where I buried them. <laughs> and if I have to go back and dig that sucker up, right? Come on. You know, hurl it away. We hurl it away. We don't repay. We just say, you know what? It's not, it's not being passive. When they talked about Jesus, he said, turn the other cheek. People think that's just letting somebody pound on you. No, it wasn't. The cheek was a place for a kiss. And it was his way of saying, you know what? You have, you've offended me, but I'm turning my cheek so that maybe there can be reconciliation. And if you've heard our vision team, we want to be a renaissance of reconciliation. We want to say, we don't care how you voted. We don't care where you are. We want to be reconciled as a body of Christ in Christ Jesus. And that's forgive. Let's run through these other ones, guys. The third one is seek community. If it's as possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with who? live at peace with everyone. Be honest. Online, I heard you. Like, I don't want to be at peace with these folk. No, I want to be in the reconciling community. I want to be open to it. Maybe I can't be in relationship with you because you've been abusive to me. I get it. But I want somebody to be in your life that will help you. Right? And so the fourth one is we're going to run through these. Give them what they need. Is that amazing? Like people have hurt you. Give them what they need. If they're hungry, if they're thirsty, feed them. Right? Give them a drink of water. Do you realize somebody's hurt you? And you can go to them and not be condescending. But just say, hey, look, this has hurt me. And I'm not going to let that happen again. But I think, you know, maybe you're disrespecting people and you don't understand that. So I'd like to talk with you about that. Do you realize you have a 50-50 chance of giving them what they need if you do that? Like a 50-50 chance. Like they will sit there and say, I don't agree with you. I don't like what you're saying. But I know you care about me. What if we did that, friends? What if we did that? And finally, if we do it humbly. Scott's going to preach on Mother's Day next week, but I'm going to come back the following week and talk about do not be proud. Do not be conceited. Right? Humble yourself, the gospel says, under the mighty hand of God, that God might exalt you, that we do it humbly. What did I say about forgiving? I, when I look in the mirror, when I look in the mirror, I go, how patient has God been with me? Oh, you, everybody went, oh, yeah. Think about that. The person that has upset you, how patient has God been with you? What did God have to do to forgive you? Get on the scale. Sucks. Get on it. And start realizing, my God, what God did for me. Maybe I might begin to do that for others. That's the first step. Let's take it and begin to love our neighbors the way God loves them. Amen? All right, we're going to let you go. Uh, we'll, We'll talk to you guys next week.